everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. It's, it's, it is absolutely surreal to meet you and to be speaking with you right now. I can't even believe that this is happening, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to tell well, you. We're what. in another life, actually. Well, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that would explain a lot. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I want to say, okay, so last night I'm, t- I talk, I'm talking with a really good friend of mine from Arizona, an amazing photographer. Her name's Allison Tyler Jones. I tell her mm-hmm. that I just, your name comes in. Cause I, you know, when someone books a spot, I see, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Gregory, Gregory, Gregory Heisler, just, I can't even say your name. I'm so tongue tied right now. Gregory Heisler just booked a spot. And she, she was like, oh, that is amazing. She said, he is a photographer's photographer. Wow. Can I tape this? That's good. I want those mornings when you wake up and you're feeling kind of crappy. It'd be good to have that. It's it's kind of weird. (laughs) I kind of want to know what is it like? How self-aware are you of you? Well, that's the thing. I think what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to go and have it tattooed on my forehead backwards. Every morning when I brush my teeth, it's going to say, you are a photographer's photographer. And I'll just wear a hat over it so other people don't see it. But and in the morning, it's just for yourself. It it's there. just for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be like, wake up and you're well, there. Honestly, that sounds you great. Know, from my, from, I'm not a photographer. <laughs> my wife is a photographer. But I thought to myself, my condolences, yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought of, I thought that is about as great a compliment I would think as someone can receive, you know, like, oh, he is, yeah, he's like the guy that the rest of us pros really, really, really look to. Right. And I think that's been the case for a long time with you. Wow. Well, I'd trade that for like, man, that dude is sexy. <laughs> I'd swap it for that. <laughs> Well, then we, okay. we can relate. I'll take it. We can relate in a lot of ways. <laughs> I, yeah. I also wanted to bring up the fact that you, on your form, I because I ask like, what do you want to talk about? And you say, uh, mm-hmm. Arnold Newman. What else is there to talk about? Hey, right? yep. Yeah. Do you get sick of that? Oh no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. Well, and I don't no, mean. I, mean I don't mean because of, I don't mean because of him, by any yeah. means. Yeah. I mean, because, well, here's my theory. You, know, you correct me if I'm wrong about this. Okay. And I want to ask you about this too, but here you are associated with Arnold Newman, right? Your whole, your yeah. essentially your whole career, which is, yeah, which is pretty darn cool. Let's just mm-hmm. throw that out there. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. But at some point, where you 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 carved your own path, obviously. At some point, were were you in a, like a transition phase to like come out of the constant association, not because of him, but because of everybody else constantly making those associations? Like I wondered to myself, he's got to be very used to talking about Arnold Newman all the time, right? No, I mean it's not all the time, and honestly, it's it's a great thing. I'm not being like fake humble. It's like a really a big honor. And mm. one could do worse than to get associated with Arnold Newman their entire life. Oh, I think so. That's like, yeah. I think, I think it's great. And I also feel like he's like Arnold was never groovy. Do you know what I mean? Like he never did fashion. He wasn't a celebrity. He, he was a photographer's photographer to me. And so I feel like mm. he's sort of, um, I don't like, an unsung hero. He sort of like not slipped in the cracks, but again, Avedon, Penn, people know them also because they shot fashion, right? Mm. Arnold was the most uncool guy ever. And after I worked with him, like in the maybe early eighties, in fact, even when I was working for him, there was a guy who came to the studio 
to see him about something. And he was a guy who worked at the gallery that represented Arnold, which was the light gallery at the time. And the guy kind of leaned over to me and said, well, you know, Arnold's like one of our sort of commercial photographers, really, and that kind of thing. And I was 21 and I thought, you asshole. I mean, I was thinking even then, you know? Right, right. And uh, really, and even then, and um, many years later, this same guy, I see his pictures in magazines shooting still lifes. Like he's, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. such a funny thing. So, and to, so to me, among fine, fine artists, he was too commercial and he was never really a commercial photographer in the cranking it out kind of way. And he was one of very, I think really a handful of photographers whose assignment work really was his personal work and he would sort of bend every assignment to be his personal work even though he wouldn't have called it that yeah. and so in a sense every time he did an assignment it it was like this ever-increasing body of work you know mary ellen mark would be someone like that there's like a handful of people mm -hmm. for whom kind of it wasn't like they screwed on one head and did jobs and then screwed on another head and did personal work it was really the same person all the way along and i think that's really unusual. And I think that he's never been a household name, even among photographers, even among portrait photographers. I'll say Arnold Newman, they go, who? It really but happens you know a lot. His You'd images. be surprised. They, they oh, would I mean, know his images. Uh, I mean, who hasn't so seen here's an Picasso, example. Who hasn't seen the Picasso, you know, or the guy at the piano? Is it Stravinsky? Stravinsky yeah, yeah. Sitting at the piano. I mean, who hasn't seen that? Right? Uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Well, I mean, there's a woman who came to, I'm teaching at Syracuse University now, and there's a woman who came there to speak, who shall, like, he who shall remain nameless, she who shall remain nameless. And she's a really big deal photo documentary photographer now. She's a young person, or like, sort of like one of those Magnum nominee kind of folks. Mm -hmm. Really, really great. And the department chair and I took her out to dinner. She gave a little talk. And the department chair said, like, you know, you might be actually interested to know that. But a lot of people are surprised that actually at Syracuse University, we have the entire archive of Margaret Bork White. And she was like, who? Oh. And like, maybe this is a Margaret Bork White. She's like the original documentary photographer in a way, you know. So I think there's among photographers and particularly among younger photographers, youth today, younger photographers, yeah, right. there's not, not a big awareness of <clears throat> photography history. They know what's on Instagram, yeah. but they don't really know who came before. And it's interesting because if you talk to cinematographers, they all know each other. They all know who did what. They all know people who are working in the twenties. They all, there's a really strong sure. sense of like the foundations. So, so that's my thing with Arnold is I feel like I'm his crusader in a way <laughs> to keep, I really to keep his champion. name alive. I am kind of, yeah. Well, don't I've, you think I'm, that for somebody like him that wasn't, all right. So he wasn't one of the cool kids, so to speak. Right. He didn't. It seems to me and I didn't obviously I didn't know him, but it seems to me like he might not have put much stock into conveying some sort of an image or, or trying to make people think that he was a certain way. He was who he was. I think he couldn't have cared less, honestly. He right, couldn't, and, right. he, and he would talk about, oh, these so-called fine art photographers. <laughs> he said, Jesus Christ, you wouldn't call yourself a fine art painter or a fine art sculptor. You're just a painter or a sculptor. Why right. are these photographers so so insecure? A fine art photographer. Yeah, I was like, That's wow. very interesting. Right? You've never no, seen well, a card would... like fine art painter. You know, it's like. <laughs> right. It doesn't it, happen. Yeah. It, it, it's redundant. Um, I'm wondering then, do you think that as a result of that, not for today's generation even, but like even for maybe my generation, because I'm probably older than what you think I am, or maybe I'm not. But I would say that even for my generation and maybe even yours, mm -hmm. don't you think that there's an awful lot of influence there that stems directly from him and people have no idea? Well, oh, it's not even a question. Not only that, does it is an influence that stems from him? They and this is to me so interesting. He sort of kind of invented what people think of as the environmental portrait, so to speak. He uh -huh. wouldn't have called it exactly that. But yeah. the truth is, like, even now, nobody really does it better. Like, he, he still kind of did them the best. Like, I hopefully yeah, took yeah. it and moved it in a little different direction and kind of put my sure. own thing on it. But in, 
in his way, no one really did that better. And, to, and tons of people do it. And it's sort of like, if you're going to copy it, don't do it worse. It's like, at least do it better, <laughs> you know? Like, he already showed you what to do. It's like, don't do it worse. Like how many people are like, are like pen wannabes or Avedon wannabes? You know, it's like, and honestly, I went through if a phase like that. If you're going to copy it, if you're going to straight up copy it, right? Right. At least without, nail it. Without putting if not, it. Right. If not bringing it up a notch, at least nail it. Right. You know, at like you have the it. you have the actual thing to look at for crying out loud. Right. You know? Right. 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 Okay. Let me ask you this then, because this what I wanted to do. I'm glad we 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 discussed him a little bit because I know he's he's important and he's a big deal to sure. you even personally, right? Yeah. But what I what I was super intrigued by, and take me back a little bit if you can, because this is what really gets to me. It's it's 1975 apparently. And you had gotten to the point where you were just going to show up in New like, yeah. how does that, how does so, that, what's, what's the before that look like to get to that point? Uh, nothing. I mean, I was, I did, I, I had three freshman years in college at three different places, basically. In <laughs> row. That's as far as I got. And, um, and I was, I grew up in Chicago. So I was back in Chicago. I had my oh. third freshman year was at RIT in Rochester. Mm -hmm. Went back to Chicago and I was like freelance assisting to the extent that I did that around in Chicago. And, uh, and Chicago was primarily like a tabletop town at that point, mostly yeah. that's a lot of still life. And, um, uh, I actually interviewed at uh, Kraft foods which was in Chicago and the guy was head mm -hmm. of the photo department. I swear to God, he said, kid, he said, there's three kinds of photography. There's people, product and cheese. Here we do cheese. <laughs> it's true and the other place though that i interviewed where i ended up being able to work there was craft and the other big place in chicago was playboy that was the oh. big thing then yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah so i interviewed there and they called me because some guy called in sick and it was like i was the top of the pile you know they just see me so they they called me and i was had worked there for like not even a week but at the, maybe the Monday or the Friday of the week before, I just sent a letter to Arnold. That's the letter you send. He was my idol beyond all mortal men. Right. And I sent right. him a letter that just said, dear Mr. Newman, you know, I'd, I admire you beyond. I'd work for you for free, blah, 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 like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was working at Playboy, as, you know, again, low man on the totem pole for sure. And on like the Thursday, maybe, I came home and there was an envelope. I still have it from Arnold Newman's studio. Right. I couldn't believe it. And I open up the thing and there's a typewritten letter from him with from his signature him. on it. Like, who, but who even answers letters like that? Nobody right. does. I, right. Nobody does for sure. Right. And if they do like the studio manager, the first that said like, nobody right. does it. It's from right. him. And it's just basically said, dear Mr. Heisler, thank you for your recent inquiry. Unfortunately, you don't hire people from out of town, blah, blah, blah. Best of luck. It was kind of what it was, right? And it had a signature. And I thought, oh my God, like I have Arnold Newman's signature on a piece of paper. Like all my buddies at photo school, they would die to think that, oh my God, that's, that's unreal. Guy, right? So encouraged by that, I immediately picked up the phone and called him. So I called the studio, the number was on it, and he picked up the phone, the studio. And I said, is this Arnold? He goes, speaking. And I said, Mr. Newman, this is uh, Greg Heisler. I'm in Chicago. I just got your letter. And I was wondering, he cut me off and he said, I thought I made myself perfectly clear. And it was a quick conversation. So it didn't last very long. And I hung up and I thought, oh. like, we have a relationship now. We know each other, right? We know each other. He knows me. <laughs> Literally, like I was such a dope. And I was like buoyed by that totally. And I thought what I got to do is go see him. Now that we have this kind of, we've established this great relationship, I'll go see him. And you he'll understand. You have such a great rapport at that point that uh, I, he obviously wants me to come out and, and totally, visit. Totally. So I went back to Playboy the next day and I told him that I got this letter from Arnold. I might've even brought it in. And, and I was like, you know, should I do it? Because for anybody else working at Playboy, it's like all the Christmases came at once, right? But for yeah. me, no, I want to work for Arnold. <laughs> It's like, and all the guys like, no, do it, man. Do it. That's great. Like, we'll be here. Don't worry about it. You go do Honestly, that. that, I can't that, entered, that entered my mind. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're leaving 
Playboy to go work for Arnold Newman to maybe go work to maybe even go work for. Right. So they were all super encouraging. So the next Monday, that was on Friday, Monday, I literally caught the 630 flight out of O'Hare, landed at LaGuardia at nine o'clock wearing a jacket and tie because that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And I called him from the airport and he picked up the phone again, studio. And I said, Mr. Newman, he goes, yes. I said, this is Greg Heights. I talked to you on Friday and he literally says, Jesus Christ, like that. And uh, then he said, oh, this doesn't sound like long distance. That's when long distance sounded like like the transatlantic cable or something, you know? Yes. Yes. And so uh, I said, actually, I'm at LaGuardia Airport. And again, he said, like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing there? I said, I know you're really busy, but I was wondering if you just had a minute. I brought a portfolio and he never mastered the red hold button on the phone. He cupped his hand over it and he and his wife worked together. They had their desks right next to each other. She ran the place. And I heard him distinctly say, it's that kid again. How am I supposed to do? And I heard her say, Arnold, what's wrong with you? Have him come over. So really? he came back on the phone. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm very busy, but since you are here, I suppose I'll take, you know, come on by. So I took a cab. I'd never been to New York. It wasn't like dreams of Gotham. Like if Arnold had been in Omaha, I'd probably still be in Omaha, you know, but <laughs> right. he was there. I went to see him and uh, I had my portfolio, which was no great shakes. It was like a picture of my dad, a high school wrestling picture, you know, a picture of an egg from RIT, whatever it was. I was a good printer. I, th- I thought my prints were good, black and white prints. And so uh, he looked at my stuff. And again, I think I was like a nice kid in a tie, right? This is 1975. People had hair like down their backs. So I, I probably looked mm-hmm. like an insurance salesman, you know? <laughs> and um, the one thing he did is he tested me back in the day when you were making black and white prints, they'd have little dusties on them. And they would look like little white specks or little hairs sort yeah. of. Yeah. And you'd have to, it's called spotting. You'd have to spot them out. There's this stuff called spot tones, like a dye. And you'd have to sort of, with a stippling technique, kind of camouflage it so you wouldn't see it on the prints. And it's very hard to do well. And my because I was so nervous, my hand was shaking so bad. My stippling technique was like amazing that day, I think. And he was impressed. And he said, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm saying this, but we are looking for somebody, you know. And... uh if you can spend the night, we'll try you out in the dark room tomorrow. Literally. I never thought he was going to say that. And I, I have spent the night and it's like, I didn't even have underpants with me. I didn't think I was going to be staying the night. Right. You didn't and I didn't up. have mon- money for a hotel. Nothing. I didn't even know like this before credit. I didn't have credit card, nothing. So I literally slept on a park bench that night. You and did? It, yep. And went in the next day and worked in the dark room. And he said, uh, he hired me like my prince. And uh, he said, you can spend, I told him what happened the night before. And he and his wife were mortified. Like he should have told us that kind of thing. So he let me sleep on the couch in the studio for the rest of the week. Then I went home and got clothes, clothes and came back and found a place to sublease. And I was there all of a sudden I was in New York. Like I didn't know anybody, nothing. I was just there. And it was a, an amazing experience. It really, really, it wasn't like, he would sit me down and say, Greg, let's talk about photography. It, it wasn't right. like that. It was like a mentor, master slave kind of thing, literally, you know, and he, right. it was tough for me. It was tough. I mean, he's, it was just his personality. He didn't mean anything by it. But instead of saying, oh, excuse me, Greg, can you move that light over there? Like in front of 10 people on a shoot, he'd be, how many times do I have to tell you? It was like that kind of thing. Of course, of course. So, and then later that afternoon, he'd come over and say, hey, how's my photographer, favorite photographer doing? You know, right, this guy right. just ripped me a new one that morning and it was like right. having God do it, you know, but right, he didn't right. mean anything by it. Now and the person, you, you had to stop that because you got an ulcer. Did I read that right? Yeah. Like yeah. He the, was, the, the, the stress and the, the yeah. tension. I was naive. I was a very young 21 and my, I was very lucky. My parents were really sweet. Of course I was the perfect child. So they never had a reason mm. to yell at me, but, but mm. it was like, I would have a good growing up time. And mm-hmm. The person who worked there before me was there for like five years. The person who's there after me was there for like seven years. And for them, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, water off a duck's back. Yeah, that's just Arnold. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And, but to me, it was like, it really rattled me. Again, not his fault. It really rattled me a lot. And when I told him I had to leave him what it was, he, he felt terrible. I mean, he did. But um, it's not like we really kept in touch. It's like for the first 
uh, five or seven years or something like that after I, you know, I was scared of the guy. It wasn't like I was going to keep right. in touch, you know? Right. But we sort of reconnected later and, and Hannah's kind of, it was like a, not like I saw him often, but it was like having his respect was a huge deal for me. You can imagine. Well, and, I wanted to ask you, like, did you ever get a sense from him based on then after you had started to carve out and got to the point where you had carved out your own niche? Yeah. Did you ever get a sense from him of how he then felt about your, your work and what you had accomplished? Did that ever happen? Not in so many words, but I think just the fact that he related to me in a, in a different way. I think it's just different. Else. Like the yeah. next time I saw him, I was already sort of doing stuff. Yeah. And but there's the main photographic workshop is a great, is still a great workshop, main media workshops. And I was asked to teach a workshop there. I'm just like 84, 82 or something. It's like, you know, seven years later, eight years later. And I found out the week that week, he was going to be there the same week teaching a class. And I just about thought, I thought, Oh my God, he's going to yell at me in front of everybody. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> you had I mean, like I those, can... those trauma no, responses coming. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought I was going to, I was like, what am I going to do? Should I even go? You know? And it was the opposite. He came, he came up and gave me a big hug. I'm like, Greg, you know, oh. Oh, it's so great to see you. So oh, that man. was like amazing. It was great. And it's, uh, there was an exhibition of his work, I'm going to say like a year ago, year and a half ago at the Howard Greenberg Gallery. They represent him. And it was on the occasion of what would have been his 100th birthday. It was a centenary mm -hmm. exhibition. And they came out with a, uh, a book, a beautiful mm -hmm. book called Arnold Newman 100. And it's 100 of his images in the book. It's, it's really great. And they asked me to write an afterward to the book. Mm -hmm. And I spent all summer working on this thing. And um, it, it was a huge, you know, it's like a huge honor now because I'm like sort of linked with him. And the I'm sure he would think like, what the hell did you ask? Here's my assistant for Christ's sake. Get like a museum director, a Heisler. <laughs> I mean, he's a nice kid, but Jesus Christ, what would you hire him for? I'm sure, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's funny. Let me ask, let me ask you this then. At what point, again, is you, because, you know, we all the time, all the time stuff obviously stands out to people. At what point though, did you think to yourself, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good for myself here. Like this is, this is working. This is, I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. I don't ever think I thought of it like, Hey, you're a badass. This is working great. I think sure. I was just super excited to be doing the work, super excited to be doing like the time stuff. It's like, it's honestly an unbelievable privilege to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. And I was just in it 10,000 million percent. Like it's, it's literally all I did. Not because I was a workaholic, which is more fun than like going bowling or playing golf or going to the movies. Like, right. Oh my God, they, they want me to take a picture. How cool is that? Right. Seriously. Right. It's like, well, that was, a, that was more fun than anything else I'd be doing. You know, uh, how Including did you not sending out invoices? Out? And that's so smart. Uh, I, I just loved it. Honestly, I did. I'd get tired, yeah, but not burnt out. It was, yeah. It, it actually kind of fed itself. It was super fun. I mean, I, I tell my students like, however much fun you think photography is, it's way better than that. It is. Well, it's way better than here, that. So here's the other thing I was wondering. So like from a psychological standpoint, because I like, I really like psychology. I'm wondering mm -hmm. like, because to do all the stuff for time and all the other, all the other things that you've done that are kind of like. I don't know, uh, to the layman there, that's a real high pressure. You're sitting there with a president. No, you know, it is you a gotta, pressure thing for sure. Yeah. You got to get this shot. Mm -hmm. And and I'm wondering, like, did that time with Arnold toughen you up or like help you get to a point where you were more psychologically capable of working under pressure or 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 getting that shot without, or were you a mess then too? I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I think a couple of things, I think you always get nervous before. I mean, I do. I always get super nervous before a shoot, even during the shoot. Sometimes usually once I'm in it, it all gets quiet and I'm fine. I'm honestly fine. Like this is going to sound super hokey dokey, but in the last two months I've started getting into yoga and I'm like the last 
guy ever to do this. My wife is a yoga person. She's really into it. And I was like, mine. oh my God. But yeah, but yeah, same. Um, during COVID, I just thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, sort of. And one of the things they talk about, not just doing all the poses, but from the mental standpoint, they talk about kind of your sort of one pointed attention. And yeah. then all the stuff of mantras and chanting and the poses is literally to focus your mind. That's kind of the whole idea. And for me, like photography focuses my mind that way, really, where every, and you could see like an athlete where they talk about being in the zone and everything else mm -hmm. goes quite, that's, they don't yeah. have to do the yoga. They already get that. I get that from photography for sure. So at the moment that I'm doing the thing, I'm just in it. I mean, a hundred percent. So all the notion of being nervous or this or that, it just goes, goes away, away because I'm so intent mm -hmm. on what I'm honestly just so intent on what I'm doing. You know, it's, it's really a cool thing. I have to say it is, it's like very addictive in a way. And then when it's all done, like I have a book of my pictures and honestly, I look at those and I'm happy to have the book. Like this is my little office at home that I created for doing zooms with my students to teach remotely. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any of my pictures up here. They're like, <laughs> I already know what they look like. I don't know. You know, all photographers always have their own you pictures. Were, like you this. were there. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of know them, you know, <laughs> I have to have them. Plus the other thing is I look through the book and to me, they're all like failures. Like I, all I see when I look at them is like, what? Shit. You know, like, really? Uh, yeah. You know what it should have been, or you were nervous or you missed the moment or uh, like every time, like, not like they're terrible pictures. Right. right but, right. but they just, I definitely wouldn't want to be surrounded by them. That's for sure. And well, an artist, like what is it? It's an artist's biggest critic is himself. Is it some of that? Like you're your own be. worst critic. Supp like it's different. If this were my, working studio i might have like test prints up or something that'd be a different thing that's like a work in progress yes. but that's not what this is and i really put this up just because it's interesting for the students they look at it and go right. like oh what's that oh. and it's stuff that gets me interested that i'm like inspired right. by you know and it also becomes a, a test like i'll shift something around see if they see if they see it you know that kind of thing all, all that and, being said though do you have something like even when you're looking back through your book or when when you see your own work don't you have to have something and you might even be able to pick it out specifically considering the, the critique you have for yourself but you have no. to have something where you're like oh i nailed that one i, I got that. um that's that's it that's the one it's simultaneously like i'm i do feel like that happened in many cases but even with those i I totally see where it fell short, sort of. I, really? I do. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Again, I'm happy that it worked out, right? And I'm happy that when I brought the pictures into Time Magazine, they were happy with them. That's mm -hmm. a great thing. But the truth is you have to, as a photographer, you have to have a sense internally of when you're, when you're on it and when you're not on it. And because mm. I think it's, it's, I could bring in what I thought were the best pictures I've ever done. And I could bring them in and they look at it and say, Greg, you know, this just isn't what we had in mind. Cause that's not it what happened. they wanted. And like, I'm not Kreskin. I can't imagine what they have in your mind, you know, but <laughs> is that, right. or I could bring in pictures where I just think, geez, I don't know. Like, I hope this is okay. And I, you know, kind of tenderly yeah. hand them in and they go, see, that's why we hire Heisler every right. time. You know, just the right. genius. How, how do you do it? How the hell do you do it? <laughs> really? <laughs> And it doesn't mean those pictures were better than the other pictures. You know what I mean? Like you just have to have sure. an internal sense of if it's okay or not. Okay. You know, I think if you're a musician, you do a concert, everybody's still applauding, but you know what, what nights you were better and what nights not so much, you know, I get that point. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I like that yeah. analogy. No, it's kind tell, of, it's really this, what it is for sure. You're, you're teaching a lot now. You mentioned that, that full you time. do this for, I'm a that's, professor, man. I'm a distinguished professor. I have, you that's know, your, that's right. That's your, that's I didn't your graduate college and I'm a distinguished professor. Yeah. No, it's what I do for sure. Yeah. What compare the two compare what it's like for you in the zone, in the studio, there's a, let's say there's a prime minister or somebody sitting in front of you. Right. Yeah. As opposed to you're in that classroom, you have those students, you have their ear, they're all sponges and soaking up everything you say. I mean, are, are we just talking about two fantastic worlds for you? 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is what I'm, again, I get nervous before the class for sure. Yeah. School's starting up again next week. I'm very, you know, anxious about that. The moment, as soon as I get in front of the students, I'm in that same kind of, it's different, but the same thing. It's like when you're waiting in the right. dentist's office and it's horrible. Once you're in the <laughs> chair, it's like, ah, okay, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like once you're in it, you're sort of in it. And I, I do feel like that. I think that it, the, the teaching to me is um, in some ways it's way more stressful because I feel so responsible for them. Do you really? Like when I was shooting, I was just responsible for me. And obviously I wanted to get the picture for the magazine or the client. But in this case, it's like, man, I really, I feel a tremendous responsibility for the students. I really do. I feel like it's a big, um, yeah, I think it's a big responsibility. And also, uh, like I said, I'm like not a yeller. I'm not the kind of person. And a lot of, a lot of teachers are pretty hard on the students. And I just feel like my motto in a way, sort of like, you never know what someone's next picture is going to be. You just don't know. People will surprise you. And so a lot of teachers are like, yeah, I ripped them a new asshole today or that kind of thing. And it's like, I'd hate to have somebody be discouraged because for somebody like their pictures, their really good pictures might be five years out or two years out or 10 years out. And if they actually don't get to that point, that's on me. That's a, that's a little sad. You know, you feel the, you feel the responsibility to help them get there, to help them weather the storms in between. Right. Yeah. And I'm really honest about that. It is hard. And that, yeah, yeah, you'll take a lot of shitty pictures, you know, for sure. But it's like, they just have to keep going at it. The thing that people don't realize, I think is two things, which has actually become really interesting. One is graduate students, they come in and they're in love with the idea of being a photographer. They're not necessarily in love with photographing, right? Like it's like oh. being in love with the idea of being a rock star, not actually so in love with the idea of like working a million hours and rehearsing every day. Right. Like I it, really don't want to practice. No, they right. love the idea of being Tom Brady in the right. Super Bowl. They're not really in love with like training night and day and being sore all the time and lifting weights yeah. and blah, 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 and all that. They just think, that, hey, has, that awesome. not, has that not always been the case with a lot of people? Not, I mean, not there are certain yeah. people that haven't been that way, but is that yeah. new? That I mindset? Think, I think among students who I know now, it's more prevalent. They really, more. they're not in love with the thing of, of the actual doing of it. And that's what you spend your time doing. And that wants to be the, the cool part, hopefully. Like I was saying, to me, that was more fun than anything. I think it's great. Well, how much but, of that is due to technology? Well, it's interesting. Like, in a way, the technology feeds it because I actually saw a really interesting. Here's another ready for this. This is my a big yeah. epiphany I had like a year ago. <laughs> yes. The difference between digital and film, right? Okay. In with digital, you're always looking at your last picture, right? Yes. With film, you're always thinking about your next picture. The next one. It's a completely different orientation. And and you would think for film photographers who've been film photographers, they got into digital and they thought, oh my God, this is great. I can shoot as much as I want. It's free. Right. For the students, they look at it and they say, okay, I got it. I'm done. Let's go get a beer. I'm done. They don't have the basis of comparison Mm -mm. because they don't Mm -mm. know. Nope. And, and I think I saw, uh, a movie a while back that was um, a little documentary that was done. There've been all these day in the life of books, like a day in the life of America, a day in the life of Australia. Yeah. It was a really cool series. And the first one was in Australia. It was in 81. And they did a documentary where they followed half a dozen of the photographers around doing their thing. It was so cool to watch it because you never saw a photographer take a picture and then put their camera down and look at the back of it. They were always engaged through the lens or if they pulled the camera down you saw them looking around like okay well where should i be what's the next thing yeah so to me it was so striking to see that because it's completely a forward-looking orientation to the to what you're doing so as an instructor then given that you have i'll call it that extra challenge that exists now Mm -hmm. how do you compensate for that with your students do you have to 
I mean, do you have to bring that up? And like, that's a, like a big part of the curriculum or a, a piece of. I, I make learning. it a focus for sure. And right. initially in some classes, I actually, when I could control it, now they have their own cameras, but when I could control it, I literally like gaffer tape over the monitor on the back of the camera. Right. And it's now you up. can just turn, you can obviously turn it off. You can just disable right. it. Right. But you can't make sure that they're going to do that, obviously. But what's interesting is because of the metadata that comes with the pictures, you can see if their first picture was done at 8.03 and the last one was done at 8.07. Oh, time-wise, yes. And I'll see that. And that's like, when it comes to critique time, it's like, we're not even going to look at your pictures. Like, it's going to take us longer to talk about them than for you to shoot them. <laughs> it's like, like, I've done pictures in five minutes, but that's after like four hours of setting up and figuring it out. Right. Well, it's a different, you, it's a different might, kind of picture. You might, you're probably in situations where you have like five minutes with your subject. That's all right? I have mostly. Yeah. You come in. You got, you got six minutes with this guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's quick. I mean, again, that's another interesting thing is at the school at Newhouse where I teach, it's kind of the, it's steeped in photojournalistic and documentary tradition. That's kind of what it is. There is a commercial side to it for sure, but that's kind of how it's thought of. And certainly a lot of the features there and they're great. Their whole thing is like, before you even start taking pictures, you have to spend time with your subject and get to know them and you should live with them and do this, and do this like that whole kind of thing, which is no argument there. Right. I have five minutes. I don't get to do any right. of that. Right. Man, that doesn't exist for you. It It's just, it's neither better nor worse. It's just different. Completely. So in a sense, all the things they're talking about, I feel I have to have like my antenna out and pick it up right away. Like you walk in, yeah. you're like, okay, who's this person? Where do I need to be? Where's the light? Where should I put my stuff? How much time am I going to have? What's going to look like? What's the article about? How am I going to say it? Like in like super, super, super fast, you have to process all this stuff and it's not better or worse. It's just interesting. It's different. Mm -hmm. Like for Completely. me, on the odd occasion when I've had time, it's like the endless first date. It's like, oh Jesus, I got to get out of here, man. I can't be charming right. this long. I got to get right. home. Like the dinner was good. Like, oh my God. I can only play this game so time? long. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's like, gee, like I already have friends. Like I don't need, you know, it's like, it's, it's tough. It's really I don't need tough. more friends. I'm, oh, I'm I kind of understand <laughs> that. Tell, tell me this, because this is kind of an elephant in the room for everybody. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, we just, we're just coming off you know, whatever 2020 was, you know, who, who knows yeah. how even to describe it. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you then? I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of, you're doing a lot of teaching now. Mm -hmm. you, you, that all got flipped on its head with the way that that has to happen. Mm -hmm. how, how did you handle that? I, honestly, I thought it was going to be a disaster. I did. And for those of us of a certain age, I'm looking at the, my class on the screen. That's like, I'm playing Hollywood squares is what it looks like. I'm ready for like Dom DeLuise and Paul Lynn to show up in one of the squares, you know, it's kind of <laughs> so what it feels great. like, you know, but it's so great. I thought it was going to be really tough. And really to my surprise, I'm not kidding you. Like in some ways it was better. I found that many students kind of, instead of being disengaged, actually spoke up more than they would have For in real? class because I think they weren't sort of intimidated by having people around them. They're sort they of safe at safer. home. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like the way people do yeah. with their computers and they say horrible shit on their computer. You know, Cause they're like, <laughs> it's anonymous. In a way. Right, right. Right. I think right. in a funny way, it's a little like, it's really surprising and really good for sure. So you were and, able to engage in ways that you that you weren't necessarily with individuals in particular in a class. It was different, but it was pretty cool. I have to. It's easier to draw people out in a way, yeah. and and in class there are people who just sort of are the more dominant, you know, personalities, and that's, that's less so right. in this format. And also, like I say, I set up this is just like a spare bedroom in my house, mm -hmm. but I set it up so it would be cool yeah. for them, you know. And I just the first day of class. I looked at them all and I said, this is a portrait class. I'm looking at 20 really shitty portraits. Like by next week, like some of you guys look like you're in the witness protection program. There's like a, win a window <laughs> behind you. I can't even see you, you know, <laughs> by next week, I want to be looking at 20 portraits. Like I want you to think about what the background is. I want to think about what the light is on you. Like, come on, right. like, I don't want to look at 20 shitty pictures. It's like, I'm offended. You know, come on, let's get this together. So it makes them pay attention to it. I just said, everything counts. Like they know, and every time, not doing it now, but every class, I wear my little jacket and bow tie. Your bow tie, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, like 
I'm on Zoom. I'm not wearing pants, but I'm on Zoom and I wear that. Like, I don't have to do it. I'm at home. Right. But I don't want them to see me. So they're like in bed or something. It's like, no, 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 no. Like Everything I'm bringing counts. my game. I'm bringing my A game to every day. Yeah. Every, and I do that in school. Like I'm always dressed up and stuff because I just, I do. I really right. bring my A game all the time and everything's right. really important. And I think they pick up on that. We're lucky because for what we're doing, we don't need like an electron microscope or an atom smasher or a concert <laughs> hall. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Right. We do need, right. for some of the stuff I do, though, there is equipment that's required. And for the remote thing, the students do not have access to like the photo studio at school and the gear and that kind of stuff. So that was a challenge. And so what I did for that was um, I had them work, two things, I had them work with lights you can just get at Home Depot that are cheap. Mm-hmm. And it's part of how a thing I teach with anyway, because I use it on assignment. You know, I had to do a CEO thing a million years ago in, I can't remember, South Carolina or something. Flew down there, like from LaGuardia, went through uh, Atlanta, I think. And it's the thing, you fly down, you get there, get there at like 11, you have to set up, you shoot the guy CEO at like 1.30, till 2, you pack up, you go back to the airport, you take a 5 o'clock flight, you go through Atlanta, and you get back to New York at 9.30. Uh, it's like really right. common, what it used to be. Right. So I got to wherever I was going, I noticed this, I'm just on my own. And none of the gear made it at all. It all got stuck in Atlanta, right? I have my cameras. I always carry the cameras. And there's a local assistant there who I I connected with to help me on the shoot. And it wasn't a place in a city that had like rental gear. It wasn't even a big thing then, place that rental gear. And I was kind of feeling desperate. And I just said, like, is there a Lowe's or Home Depot? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went there. I went to like the lighting department. Got some floodlights? no, a shop light, like you'd have over your thing in the garage, like a four foot yeah. fluorescent oh, yeah. shop light like that. Yes. It's 39 bucks. I got <laughs> those clamp lights. It's like seven fifty, right? Yeah. I brought it to this guy's office, CEO's office. And I had my assistant hold the four foot fluorescent and move it. And instead of the guy thinking I'm a clown, like, hey, there's no soft boxes or umbrellas. I had my assistant holding the light. He probably thought wow, this guy's really discerning. Oh, he's very, you know, very precise. And I shot the thing with that. It ended up being a magazine cover. I gave the light to my assistant, flew back to New York. And in a way it was liberating. It's like, well, shit, I don't, not like I don't need the other stuff, but (laughs) there's, the thing is I wasn't shooting available light. Like I wasn't stuck looking for a window. Right, right. I was still, I could still control it and make something cool. So that's the thing I pass on to my students because they start to think, oh, I can never do that because I need the cool lights. Or in the studio, obviously, they have really great stuff. But these students leave school. They're not going to have 50 grand to drop on pro photo fancy gear, which is great. I don't have that stuff. I'm a successful guy. Like, I don't have so that in, stuff. But in a sense, are you, are, you, are you teaching them at that point? You're teaching them that it is about light, not yeah. the lights. That's my class. Right? It's actually called light and concept. It's not lighting. Oh. It's light. Because the idea is like, if you're a documentary photographer, which many of them will be, you actually can't screw around with stuff. So right. the lighting that you do is you say, hmm, the light's over there, like a window or door, whatever it is. Yeah. And my subject is over here. The only way I can change the lighting is where my ass is. Is like, okay, if that's there and this is here, where do I need to be? Right. And that's lighting in a sense. Right. And I think there are right. documentary photographers whose work stands out. Because they just maybe even just intuitively, but they really know kind of they where can. they need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that's lighting. Lighting can also be with your iPhone. Lighting can also right. be from a neon sign in a, at a bar. It could be car headlights. It could, literally could be anything. So they kind of start to recognize that. And then for part of the class, the latter part of the class, we work with like little flashes like speed lights. And so I had them all buy the same kit, like the generic little speed light kit. And it's like 120 bucks for like the flash, the thing, the umbrella, a little stand, like really simple. But at that point, they can pretty much do a ton of stuff. And most of what I do initially is show them just how to use one light really well. Like if you can use one light well, you're like, 
85% of the way there. Right. Cause always in any situation, one light's like doing the heavy lifting. One light is kind of defining the of picture. Right. And plus it's just easier to juggle one ball. Like right. if you're using the one light, but then you need a fill light, but then you need a kicker and then you need a highlight. You pretty, a hair light like you don't, yeah. you're so screwed up. You don't know what's going on or what the thing is that's making it not right. 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 If you can just right. see the one you're pretty, like I have all kinds of lights going on in the back. This window's kind of the light. It kind of is the, the light. That's the one, right. It kind of sure. is, you know. So it's sort of like that. Like if you can get that going, that's really defines it. So, so we do so that. So we're talking, we're talking about gear a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And and that, of course, it reminds me of, for you of Canon. Mm -hmm. And and I was What's told Canon? you were. Oh, Canon, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were one of the first explorers of light. Because yep. in our in our portion of the, you know, the portrait and wedding photographer industry for the most part is yeah. where I'm coming from. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. An explorer of light is like, that's like top of the mountain, man. Uh -huh. Those, those mm -hmm. are the, those are the people that we look at. Those mm -hmm. are the people that we study. Those are the, those are the images that we just spend hours and hours going through and trying uh -huh. to learn from the imagery itself. Mm -hmm. And, and now I, and then I was told you're actually even a, a canon legend. A myth. It's more like I'm a myth. You're, you're, you're <laughs> in the myth part. I never existed. Were, it's just a myth. Were you even there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're, well, so, I mean, in a, in a sense, you're living, you're living legend. All right. Let's, let's throw it out there like that. And I, and I have a sense that that's not going to go well with you. I, and I get that. It's from a long but, time ago. It was like, it was like before the wheel, but after fire, that's when the explorers came in. It was kind of like that. <laughs> Something like that. Well, but that's you know, Canon's Canon's a big deal for our industry in general. Like, sure, yeah. Globally. What mm -hmm. has it been like for you to be to have someone like that walk essentially walk alongside of you for for a mm -hmm. large portion of your career? That, that yeah. that's pretty nice, hasn't it? No, it's it's honestly a great thing. And I think it's so interesting when the explorers happen because I think that um Maybe it was like after the 84 Olympics or something, two things happened then. I think one was that you saw fewer and fewer black lenses at sporting events and you started seeing light gray lenses. Yeah. Right. That was a big change. Like you didn't see any before you really did. And similarly, all we saw was yellow boxes of film. And after 84, yeah. we started seeing a lot of green boxes of film. Very interesting. Nobody even fooled you. Like, who even knew what that was? Like, nobody right, did that. Right. Th those two right. things happened. And I think that when digital kicked in is where Canon started to separate themselves a lot. And I think when the video kicked in, they really separated themselves a lot. So I think they've really elevated themselves to another level. They've done a really good job. Like, they make real. I'm not saying it because I'm with them, although I would. I'm not. It's like they actually make really good stuff. They've really stayed at the forefront. It's a pretty cool thing. You know, that well, stuff doesn't happen. Has it been? Let's let's let me put it this way, because my so my wife and I've had a studio for 22 years. And if there's mm -hmm. one thing that I feel has been super important is to be innovative and mm -hmm. to try to be kind of ahead of the curve, really. Sure. And we've mm -hmm. we've seen other companies that were unsuccessful. Sure. At doing that. And some of yeah. them no longer exist for that. A lot of them no longer exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I feel yeah. like that that's, that that's really what Canon in particular has modeled for such a long time is to be innovative and ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, but I, I, what I wanted to know and what I'd really like to finish with is you, do you know, did you ever know Dean Collins? Oh, sure. He was great. Yes. Yeah. You remind me an awful lot of Dean really Collins. oh that's cool that's a good compliment yeah and no, i thought he was like a really charismatic person first of all but he actually his thing was lighting and he simplified it he yes. like that's a tough thing a lot of times you go to a talk and instead of walking out of there it's a funny deal like a talker all kinds of different things that have to, like a esteemed professional you actually walk out feeling a little bit diminished. Like, well, I guess I can never do that. Like, Precisely. And don't you, know, you like get Chevy a sense Chase sometimes? used to do, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. That was like his thing on Saturday Night Live. Right. But it, don't you get a sense that sometime that there's even a little bit of, there's that, there's that intentional piece even coming from the instructor sometime? Oh, for sure. Almost, yes. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Like and I feel like Dean was one of those guys. They're trying to separate themselves mm -hmm. from the masses. And Dean didn't do that at all. Now he was the and opposite. I have a He's sense like, that oh, you're this not is like easy. That you can do that. 
No, no. I mean, I certainly don't try to be. It's like, yeah, I mean, my thing for sure is for the students is to like demystify it. Like this isn't anywhere near as hard as you think it is. You can totally do this. Yeah, like you already do it. You just don't know that you do it. Is that kind of thing. You know, it ain't rocket science. Like it's, it's fine. It's not. I mean, we joke about it in critiques. Like sure. critiques can be very fussy. And mm -hmm. I've been in critiques in photo school where they put up something and it's like, and it's like, well, I like this part. There's a certain kind of activity in this part of the picture and attention. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. None. Right. And I say to the students, it's a smell test. I don't mean to be crude, but it's like you put up a picture and within like a microsecond, you have a response to it. Yeah. You can talk about it and intellectualize it and explore why you're having that response for sure. But right. immediately. And what, after you have that response, I can tell you why it's good. And you're like, no, if you say so, man, I don't know. And I could be a teacher who says this picture's not great. And you're thinking, and to me, it seems not. Nah, I really like it. Do you know right, what I mean? So right. people already, they do know that right off the bat. Every, yeah. Like my mom would know. My uncle would know. Like they, they know. They might not know why, but they know. You know, really. Like, I think that's really, cool. really well said. And it and you and you remind me of him even more. Yeah. Um, you know what? I thank you. I thank you for spending your time with me today. And and no, it's fun. Saying. Thank you for tolerating this. That's great. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> I I really really appreciate it. Can uh, where's where's the best place for you for people to go and 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 see your work and see more about you? The Smithsonian. No, um, I. <laughs> I have a website, this is gregoryheisler.com, that I am a terrible person. I haven't updated it in ages. I just have not paid it. I'm a terrible, from a business standpoint, I'm not the world's best. I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. It's key right. to be. I emphasize that to my students for sure. Mm -hmm. But from the beginning, if I had a choice of sending out an invoice to take another picture, I'm taking another picture. You know, right. and I just, I think you, you can't do that. You just can't do that, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, they could look at my website, I guess, or they should, what they really should do is buy my book. It's called Gregory yeah, Heisler, it? 50 Portraits. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughters will appreciate it if they buy a book. It's a great thing. But it, <laughs> a lot of it's there. And honestly, that book, I did the book because it was the book I always wanted. Yeah. Like I didn't want a photo book of like my pictures speak for themselves. And I didn't want a photo book that was too much f-stops and shutter speeds. I'm like, why did you make that picture? And what made you make those choices? And how come you did right. it with this camera instead of that one? Like, so yeah. the book is like that. It kind okay. of talks about the process of the picture and a little bit of technical, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it for sure. So I think people would like it if they're interested in photography. I think they get a kick out of it for sure. Yeah. I, I appreciate it so much. You, uh, you're a very gracious, humble man, and I appreciate your time. It's, it's, it means an awful lot to me, and I think it'll mean an awful lot to our listeners. Thank you so it's much. It's super fun, man. It's my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure to be here for sure. Thank you for having me.